to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. together in the name of Jesus. God, we just pray, God, that there would be freedom in this house today. God, we thank you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And God, we pray that every burden of guilt, every weight of guilt, the things that we have done that we are guilty of, God, I pray today that you would set people free, that they would realize today God, there is gladness that can be found in you. There's hope that can be found in you. There's forgiveness that can be found in you. There's a new day, a fresh start that, God, you want to give to each and every one of us. And we thank you for that and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be talking once again on the subject of March gladness talking about the gladness that God wants to give us. There's a lot of madness out there. There's a lot of sadness out there. And it's time that we experience the gladness of God. But yet guilt is one of those things that will rob us, steal from us, take from us that inner joy, that inner peace, because through guilt we will feel unworthy. We will feel, why should God want to use me? Why would God want someone like me. But today I want to show you something and that is this. Guilt is your choice. Guilt is your choice. You know the definition of guilt is the fact or condition of having done wrong. A wrongdoing, an offense or a crime. Notice the fact of or condition of doing wrong. It's something that we have done. It's something perhaps maybe we haven't done because we can be guilty too of not doing the things that we know we should. But the reality today, what we feel guilty of, is right. I mean, we did those things. We did the wrong. But it doesn't just stop at the action. It then becomes a feeling, a feeling of shame, a feeling that we cannot shake. And then if we don't watch, we can find ourselves under condemnation. Guilt is perhaps one of Satan's greatest weapons, one of his greatest tools, one of his greatest levers that he uses against our lives. Because after all, as I said, we did it. We are guilty as charged. But today we need to realize we're also, or we can also, be forgiven. We are forgiven in God. There are too many people today that are living in guilt. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about today. Perhaps you. 
You're living in guilt. And just like we've talked about worry and insecurity, guilt will rob you from God's best for your life. You're still carrying those past failures, those mistakes, those wrong actions. But God has a fullness, a life that He wants you to live in. And as long as you're holding on to those things, you can never fully embrace the greatness, the life that God has for you. Here's what you need to know about guilt today. Just feeling bad about past mistakes is not enough. It's one thing hard to explain, you know, like with Luke, poor little Luke, our little object lesson many times in our messages. And the only reason I can use Luke is because I was a Luke one day. But it's hard, isn't it, to understand or to get sometimes into the heart of a child. They can have a rough day. They can do things wrong and they can turn around and say sorry. And they just expect that sorry just to take care of it all. Well, I said sorry. I'm sorry. And we try to explain. And it's sometimes hard to explain. It's sometimes perhaps hard for us to even understand the fact that sorry is more than just a word. Sorry has to be carried out. In a change of life, a change of actions, a change in behavior, a change. Because really, sorry means this, not just I got caught in the act. But sorry literally means I'm not going to do that again. And in order not to do that again, I can't stay where I was. I have to change. I have to move. I have to be different. Sorry is more than just saying I was wrong. But sorry is admitting I need to change. And there's a change. So a lot of time, guilt is just that feeling of sorry. Guilt in itself doesn't accomplish anything. It just merely exposes the sin. And when we feel that sin and the guilt comes upon us, what happens? We relive that moment over and over and over again. It makes us feel worse and worse, more unworthy and more unworthy. And it makes us question the fact sometimes whether God could even forgive us. Am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? So guilt in itself is not the answer. The next move or the move is up to us. And that is this today. Here's the choice. This is why guilt is your choice today. You've got two choices that you can do. The first is this. You can choose to carry your guilt. You can choose to carry a burden that is too heavy for you to bear at times. You can carry a burden that God never expected and doesn't expect you to carry and neither does He require you to carry it. So your first choice is you can hold on to it. Or your second choice is you can transfer it. You can give it. You can confess it. You can repent to God. You can give it to God and you can give it to a God who can take care of it. Look what it says in Colossians 2. Verse 13 and 14, it says, and you, that's me today, that's you today, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Say that with me, all, 
everyone. Verse 14, having wiped out or removed or obliterated the handwriting. Come on, the certificate of debt is what it means that we owe because we're guilty as charged. But having what? Obliterated, wiped out the guilty charge against us of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. New Living Translation says of verse 14, He cancelled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and He destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. You see, law demands a payment for sin. And through the cross of Christ... Through Christ's cross, He satisfied your debt. Come on, He paid your price once and for all. That you don't have to carry the burden of your past sins, your failures, your mistakes. But today you are free in God. I wonder how many of us would love to have a list of all our sins, of all our shortcomings, of everything that we have done wrong, made public. It's not a pleasant thought, is it? And there is such a list. There is a list that exists. And it's a lengthy one. Come on, every bad decision that we've made, every hurtful and hateful act, every unforgiving attitude, every prejudice, every greed, every lust, every lies, every one of your sins. But the question I want to ask you today is, have you ever seen that list? The answer is no, and neither has anyone else seen that. And why has no one seen that list? Because we just read why. He has forgiven you. He has canceled out. He has wiped. He has obliterated. He has removed every one of your sins. What the blood of an animal could only do was to cover sin. But when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, He didn't just cover it, meaning it could be exposed again. He got rid of it, that it is no more. It is no more. And He forgave each one of us while knowing full well the price that we deserve is the price of death. 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 First Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the spirit. What does that mean, pastor? Through the cross. His death. Listen to me. The death of Christ was comma. It wasn't a period. It wasn't the end. The death was just the beginning of what he accomplished. He went to hell and he took the keys from Satan and he says, no longer are you going to hold people bound any longer, but I have died that they may be free. And listen to me. He rose again, period, sealed the deal. Come on, his death was a comma, but his resurrection was the period at the end. Because he died and because he rose, we are alive in him. We are free from our bahas. Listen to what it says, First Peter 3.18 from the New Living Translation. It says this, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. 
You know what that means? Once for all time, when Jesus died upon the cross. I love the picture of the cross, the symbol of the cross, the bar of the cross. Because when he died upon the cross, it went back to the beginning of time. And it went forward till the end of time. Every past sin that was ever committed, every present sin that we commit now, every future sin. Come on, our forgiveness is in the cross. Our forgiveness is in God. He doesn't have to come and die again. He already died that we could have newness of life. I wish I had a witness in the house today. He died that we could be free. We're guilty today. We're guilty today. But when he looks, he doesn't see the sin anymore. He sees the blood of his son and he declares each one of us not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. He paid the price. Let's read on. It says, he never sinned. Let me say that one more time. He never sinned. There is a doctrine out there that believes that Jesus died a sinner. He did not die a sinner. He died a spotless lamb. He took my sins upon him. He became my substitute. But he did not become sin. He died spotless. But he died for the sinner. That he might bring us, I love this, safely home to God. He suffered a physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Let me say it one more time and let me say it this way. He forgave and he cancelled the record of the charges against me. Can I tell you one more way today? He keeps no record of my wrongs. Come on, you should be shouting in the place today. He keeps no record of my wrongs. John 8 verse 36, whom the Son sets free. Come on, I'm ready to preach in the house today. Whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Come on, therefore, if the Son makes you free, turn to your neighbor and say you're free in Christ today. Come on, it's time you start living free. Come on, it's time that you start exercising your rights. Whom the Son sets free, you're free indeed. I want to think of that in two ways. Number one, you're really free. Come on, you're really free. There's no strings attached. You're really free today. But notice what it says. You are free indeed. Indeed. The deed. It's an action. It's speaking about now because of that freedom, we can walk in freedom. Come on. There is no more condemnation. God wants to change us from the inside out. That yes, we're guilty, but because of his blood, we're forgiven. And now we can live changed. Now we can live free. Can I tell you today, when Satan reminds you of your past, why not start reminding him of his future? When Satan wants to bring up your past, why not remind him of his future? Come on, say with me, no past. Come on, say it with me, no past. Come on, it's forgiven and he's forgotten. Come on, God keeps no record of my wrong. Jesus laid aside the robes of royalty. The divine robes that he had. He left heaven and he came down to this earth as a man. He took on each one of our sin-stained garments of shame. The guilt that we owed. And he hung upon a cross. 
And as he hung upon a cross, people went past and looked at him and he was regarded as a failure. They looked at him, the religious leaders, and said, if you are who you say you are. What were they saying? You're not it. You're the wrong man. The road to Emmaus, two men were walking and what were they talking about? We thought he was the one. We thought he was the one. As he hung upon the cross, he was regarded as being a failure. Satan even thought he had won. He thought that Jesus was the loser as he hung there and he bore our shame and our transgressions as he took our sin. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sin. What does that mean? That we can confess it. That we can repent it. That we can transfer it to God. That we might now live for righteousness by whose stripes you and I are healed. Can I say this? You're not just healed physically. You're healed spiritually. You're healed emotionally because when God does something... He does a finished work. Today, there's no limit to his love. There's no limit to his love. You see, that's the problem because we realize many of us understand and know the fact that he died. We we realize the fact that we can be forgiven, but yet we lack the understanding or the revelation of how could he forgive? Because I know what I've done. Anyone know what you've done? Come on, anyone not too proud of the things you've done in the past? Miss Bobby, I wish you'd help me in the house today. No one else is helping me today. Come on, how many knows the things that you've done? But even knowing those things, there is no limit to his love. A love that gave it all. Listen to me. A love that gave it all so you and I today can live free. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now. Come on, there is therefore now. Say it with me, now. When? Right now. It's available right now. Come on, it's not someday like they tell us in the fairy tales. Someday my prince will come. But come on, it's right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, say it with me, connected. Come on, say it like you mean it today, connected. Come on, we've got to be connected to the source. As we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We're free from the guilt of the past. And through connection, it not only helps us and gives us the joy and the gladness that comes from freedom from worry and freedom from insecurity. But now there's a forgiveness that comes, another chance. I love the fact that God isn't the God of a second chance because I blew that one a whole long time ago. He's not a God of a second chance. He's God of another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. That we can have freedom from our guilt. And read on. What does it say? And through that connection, Romans 8 verse 1. We do not walk now according to the flesh. But we walk now according to the Spirit. In other words, through His forgiveness. Come on, I leave the past behind. I leave the mistakes and the failures. And I now walk into a new life. Come on, guilt wanted to bind me up. Guilt wants to hold me down. But His love will still set me free. It releases me. When Jesus died upon the cross, He cried out three words. 
He cried out these words as he gave up his life. He cried out, it is finished. It is finished. In other words, I've accomplished everything that I've come to take care of. I've handled it all. Come on, for those things that you're carrying today, may I say the words of God to your life today? It is finished. In Greek, that word can be translated testelestai which is an old accounting term, which when a debt was owed and someone came and paid the debt in full, they would stamp tetelestai over that receipt of debt, which means what? It is paid in full. It is paid in full. Every sin, past failure, your guilt, past, present and future, the sin debt was fully satisfied and paid for in full. Jesus paid your price. But Satan wants you to still live that way. What way are we talking about? Satan still wants you to carry the shame. Satan wants you to still carry the guilt. Satan still wants you to lay on your bed at night and relive those things and feel guilty and feel unworthy. He wants you to relive those moments. Why? Because he wants to place you in condemnation. Condemnation is a chain that will hold you to your past and never release you into your future. But listen to me today, through repentance, we have total forgiveness. Through repentance, we have total forgiveness. I want to give you a statement right now, and I want you to think about this. I heard this statement this week, and it blew me away. And I want you to think about this. Listen to this. We don't repent to be forgiven. We repent because we Ah, forgiven. Let me say that one more time. We don't repent to be forgiven. It's not a question when we come to God. God, will you forgive me of this? Like we're coming, questioning, doubting. Come on. We don't have to worry about what we've done, whether he is able to take care of it. Do you see that? We don't repent and say, God, I hope that you would forgive me. We repent because we are forgiven. What does that mean? He did it. It's done. Here's the question that you and I have to ask ourselves rather is this. Will we live in that forgiveness? Will we accept it, be changed by it? Will we renew our minds constantly by it? Will we be sanctified? You see, when you get saved, you're saved. But there's a process of sanctification. That God wants to change you. That God wants to perform you. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15, you who are being saved. It doesn't mean that one day we're more saved than the next, but there's a process of sanctification as God wants to take those things off of our life. But God's love, His forgiveness, His mercy is so awesome. Think about some of the adjectives we see in the Word of God that explains His love. Can I give you one from Romans 8, verse 38 through 39? It says this, For I am, re- I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Come on, no height, no depth, nor created things shall be able to... Come on, can I remind you today that first and foremost, God's love is unbreakable? It's unbreakable. What about this one? I like the second thought is this. It's unbiased. It's not prejudice. John 3 verse 16 says, For God loved the whole world. He didn't just die for a particular type of people or this or that. He died for the whole of mankind. The love of God is what? It's not prejudice. It's not 
biased. It's unbiased. Can I give you another one today? Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love to us that while we were still in sin, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, it's undeserving today. We don't deserve it. While we were still lost, he died. And there's many, many more adjectives that we could give to explain and to describe the love of God. But can I give you what I believe is the greatest today? Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Can I tell you today, God's love is unconditional. Unconditional. Why? Because He is love. 1 John 4 8 says, He does not love, or, or He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Listen to me, love is not something He does, love is who He is. It's who He is. It's who He is. What about man's love? You see, it's hard for us many times to receive His unconditional love because we receive love according to the love we give or the love that we have received in an earthly realm. You see, because man's love has conditions, I will love you if. Here's the classic line that we've used many times. If you love me, I will. There's always a condition, but not to God's love. Listen to me today, if there's a limit to God's love, David the murderer and the adulterer never found it. Paul the persecutor and the assassin never found it. Peter, who was the denier and liar, he did not find it, nor did the thief on the cross. And neither will you find a limit to God's love. The songwriter wrote, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest mountain and it reaches to the lowest valley. Come on, today the greatest need you and I have is not another relationship. Come on, it's not a new car. It's not another promotion. It's not a job. It's not another zero on our paycheck. Above everything else, the greatest need you and I need today is to experience unconditional love. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? Have you ever read that and seen how far you fall short in the love that you live? In the love that you give? I mean, go on, let's start the first one. Love is patient. We've all failed right there without even going on to the next things. But you know what? So many times you read stuff like that and perhaps hang your head in shame. But can I ask you to reread that? And now understand that's his love that he has for you. Come on, that's the love that he has for you. It's patient. Come on, it's kind. It suffers long. And you know the last thing it says in that chapter? Love never fails. His love never fails. Come on, his love runs circles around the Energizer bunny. Come on, his love will outlast and outreach beyond anything. Come on, his love keeps no records of my wrong. Under the blood. Quickly this morning, I want to take you back to the garden. I know we've been visiting the garden a lot lately. Story of Adam and Eve. But we've always seemed to leave the garden with Adam and Eve still in sin. We've always seemed to leave that story with accepting the fact that they messed up and screwed up. 
But I want to show you something different today. The name Eve literally means life-giving. That she was Eve to bring forth life. From her womb was going to come forth mankind. She was called to give life. Life Life-giving is her name. But as a result, through Satan tempting her, through her succumbing to sin, Eve, the life-giving one, now ended up being the means of Satan to bring death into this world. Imagine what Eve must have gone through. Imagine what must have gone through her mind, the torment, the devastation, the guilt, the emotion of seeing her whole world, and not just her world, but Adam's world, her children's world, seeing their whole world turned upside down, completely inside out. One moment living with no pain, no sickness, No suffering. Everything provided for them. Living in absolute paradise. Perfection. To one moment, living the complete opposite. And then some more. The burden of guilt must have been so unbearable upon her. The weight that was upon her. And to make it even worse, it was fully exposed for each one of us to see. Because if you would read in Genesis, you would read of the act of which she did. Not only the guilt of then, but the guilt throughout the ages that everyone who would read of her who was supposed to be life-giving was the one by which Satan brought death into the world. Can I add this? That's what Satan wants you to see. But I need you to see something different today. As God passes judgment upon the serpent, He adds something else. Something else that would change Eve's life. Turn with me this morning, if you were, to Genesis chapter 3. And verse 14 and 15 says this, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. And more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. Can you see Eve right now with her head low? She's got guilt. She's feeling the burden of it. But then all of a sudden she hears God say something. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Someone say in the house today, mercy. Come on, say it, mercy. Mercy. Here's a lady that thought it was over. How could God ever use her? But when God passes judgment upon the serpent, what does he say? But her seed. Her seed. Even in her failure, and it was a big one. Come on, it was a doozy. God gives her mercy and forgiveness. Yes, there would be consequences for the act. Yes, there would be consequences for what she did. And we still know those consequences and live in them today. 
But notice, because of the cross, there was a debt that I believe was paid because when the cross, it reached back and it reached forward. Listen, God said to her, something is still going to come from within you. You've got to hear this today. God didn't completely write her off. While he's condemning Satan, he still includes her in the promise of the Messiah that is still going to come. So while God is condemning, God says to her, something is still going to come from within your womb that will compensate for all the pain of your failures and it will cause the devil to regret the fact that he ever messed with you. Come on, you got to hear this today. Because no matter what you have done, come on, there's still a promise that God has for every one of us. I heard these words the other day. Listen to this. In judgment, God remembers mercy. In judgment, God remembers mercy. Yes, she sinned against God. Yes, because of what she did, they were separated from God. Yes, she lost a child as one Cain killed his brother Abel over an offering, over a sacrifice. Yes, she was living out of God's blessing and out of God's provision. But read with me, if you would, Genesis 4 verse 25. And it says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and she named him Seth. For God has appointed a Another seed for me instead of Abel, which Cain has killed. Can you say with me today, another chance? Another chance. She had another son. And instructed by God, she called that son Seth, which means substitute. Substitute. Come on, I love those words and they excite me when I read them. That it says, and Adam knew his wife again. Why does that excite me? Because there's always an again with God. No matter what you've done, you may feel you've got the weight of the world upon your shoulders. That the sin that you've done is too big to bear. But can I tell you today, with God, there's always an again. There's an again. There's again, come on, there's a new start. It doesn't finish there. Come on, say with me, no record of my wrongs. God gave her a fresh start. And I believe God erased the sin of her past. Let me show you quickly. Look what it says in Genesis 4, verse 1 and 2. It begins the genealogy of Adam and Eve. It says, now Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and she bore Cain and said, I have required a man from the Lord. Then she bore again and this time she, this time his brother Abel. As I said here, we read the beginning of the genealogy of Adam and Eve. But watch what happens as we turn over the chapter and we look at chapter 5. And I want to read the first three verses of chapter 5. And it says, now this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In that day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and he blessed them and he called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image. And his name was... Hold on a second. We just read the genealogy of Adam and Eve, I thought. God said that they had two children called Cain and Abel. So who is it? Cain and Abel or is it Seth? Come on. Who is it? Is it Cain and Abel or is it Seth? 
Can I tell you today that God in His infinite mercy gave her a new chance. He started it all over again. Come on, He does not finish with the tragedy of your sin. He did not finish with the tragedy of her sin. Come on, Cain killed his brother. It wasn't a good situation. But God's forgiveness came forth in the situation. Yes, we're quick to judge her for her sin. But what about God's mercy? What about His forgiveness? What about His newness of life upon her life? Listen to me, life does not end with your failure. It begins with God's mercy. Life does not end with your failure. It begins with God's mercy. Every one of us today have got things that we're ashamed of. We cannot turn back the clock. We cannot go back and fix those things because if we could, I'm sure every one of us would. But we can't. But in it all, in that which we stand here today guilty of, God sees a repentant heart. God sees a heart that's yielded and given over to Him. It says, God, I'm guilty. I've stood before God many times and said, God, I'm guilty. Would you take me? And every time, the answer is still the same. I love you with an everlasting love. I paid the price once and for all. Past, present and future. Don't ask me to be forgiven. Ask me because you are forgiven. God says, I've seen your tears. In fact, God says, I've even got them in a bottle. What does that mean? God cares about the things you've gone through. God hears your cry. Listen to me. Heaven may seem silent at times, but it's never death. Heaven may be silent at times that you don't feel and you don't hear, but heaven is never death. That means that every time we cry out to God, no matter what we feel, God hears. Come on, you've got to have a witness in the house today. No matter what we've done, when we cry out to Him, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us from all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has cancelled out every record. Every record. He gave Eve another chance. We know her as the one who brought sin into the world. But can I remind you of something else about Eve today from Luke chapter 3? I don't think I have it on the screen, but let me read this for you. And turn in your Bibles if you've got them. Luke chapter 3 and verse 23 through 38. I'm not going to read it all today. I'm just going to read two parts of two verses. But Luke 3, 23 through 28 is titled, The Genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it says in 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, he was the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matha, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph. Let me jump down to verse 37 as he goes through all the genealogy, who was the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, who was the son of Jared, the son of Mathael, the son of Caniah. Listen to this, verse 38, who was the son of Enosh, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of God. 
Eve's sin is not recorded in the Word of God any longer. It's not that woman who messed up and should have and could have been, but rather it's the son of Seth. Come on, listen to me. The son of Adam, the son of God. Where is the record of Eve's failure? There is no record. Why? Because Jesus says, I will remember your sins no more. No more. No more. If there's hope for Eve, come on, there's hope for every one of us. That God can turn that disaster, that failure, that God can use it to be a testimony that we can share with God and share the life of God. That one day I used to be in sin, just like that blind man. One day I was blind. I don't know what was going on around, but Jesus came and now I can see. Come on, he wants to take the past, the failures, the guilt of the past and use it for His glory. That's only God. There is therefore now no condemnation. But pastor, what do I have to do to escape that guilt? The Bible says this. You just got to confess. You just got to repent. And you just got to believe. Romans 8 or Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says these words. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Can I tell you today, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers all my sins. He keeps no record of my wrong. You and I today have no reason to live in guilt. If we are living in guilt, it's because guilt is our choice. Guilt is your choice. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.